Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. scripture today. So we're continuing Joshua chapter 3. So Joshua chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. All right. Hey, guys. Um, Hey, Lucas and Natalie. (laughs) They got married yesterday, and one of the first places they wanted to go to as a married couple after wherever they went yesterday, <laughs> was here. Uh, yeah, how amazing is that? So, and then to Hong Kong later tonight, right? So uh, it's, it's great to see you guys. Yesterday was such a, um, just such an amazing testimony of, of community and the gospel. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was just a really good time. So thanks for being here today, and thanks to you guys. <laughs> so uh, we are in our, our series in Joshua called Breaking Ground. And we've been talking about a new vision, a new mission. And this morning we're talking about how, how you uh, as an individual, but also us as a church, are called to influence through boldness. And, and in this point in history, it's been alluded to a few times today already, uh, the people of Israel are at the brink of something brand new. Like, in all of the scriptures up to this point in time, if you, if you start from Genesis and read through the entire narrative and the story, if you made it through, <laughs> if you made it through Leviticus and Numbers and persevered and, and got to uh, Deuteronomy and then, and then went into Joshua, like the entire scriptures are climaxing to this point. This is the, this is like the pinnacle of the scriptures up to this point in the Bible. And these three verses, just these three verses, they are on the brink of doing something that has not been done, that, that they've been promised for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now they're, they're standing there, and they're, they're facing the fears of the previous generation. And, and it's a rushing river, right? It's, it's raging. There's, there's, it's that flood stage. And for most of us, for most people, uh, we're, we're kind of born with this innate fear of water, right? I, I don't know. Some people get get over that earlier than others, uh, but uh, we, we all have this like, innate fear of, of, of water. And, and if, you, if you have that fear now, uh, and, if, and sometimes that fear, guys, isn't just a phobia. It's, well, I don't have the ability to swim. 
So of course I'm going to fear going in there because I'm going to drown, right? Like, right? <laughs> Dave's like, mm -hmm, I almost did that in three feet of water. <laughs> and, and actually, a, a lot of drownings occur in shallow water, right? Because people just, they, they panic. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and so we have this, this just innate fear of, of being in water. And, and if you have that fear, you'll stay by the shore, right? Like, like you, you want to stay with your feet on solid ground, you're going to stay by the shore. Uh, if you're in a pool, you're always, you're always on the wall, right? And, and one, of the, one of the first things they teach you when, when, you're, when you're trying to learn how to swim is to put your face underwater, to be comfortable with your head under the water. And, and so if, if you can never do that, you don't even see the beauty and the majesty of what's happening underneath, right? Like because everything else is above the surface. You haven't even, you can't even see below the surface. All you can see is what's up here, right? And, and sometimes this is tumultuous, right? But, but underneath it's, it's normally like peaceful and, and that's, but you can't even do that because all you can see is, is what's on the surface. And when I was, I don't know, three or four, uh, our dad, quote unquote, taught us how to swim by throwing us into the pool and then standing there and watching us learn how to swim. <laughs> Struggle. And he was there to save us, I think. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm here, right? And, and because of that, because of that experience early on, I'm extremely comfortable in the water. Uh, like, I learned how to swim at a young age. Uh, in elementary school, we, we swam competitively, and my sister Diane always beat me, um, and, and uh, she wouldn't beat me today. But, <laughs> but we, uh, I, 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 grew up in, in, I grew up in the water, around the water, um, and, and, uh, and so much so, I'm, I'm so comfortable that I'll do apparently foolish things in the water that people, like, that more normal people wouldn't do. So, for instance, um, uh, I've gone surfing in hurricane conditions off of the coast of North Carolina. Um, like, a normal person wouldn't do that. Uh, I have gone scuba diving in Mexico with no training. Literally, Missy and I got there, and he was like, this goes on your back, and you breathe into this. Vamos. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. And we're like, OK, we can do this. Um, that, that, that should work. Uh, which, as you know, for scuba diving, you should have like months and months of. There's a whole course uh, of training, so don't do that. Uh, I've been great white shark cage diving in South Africa. Like most normal people would be like, no, I'm not going to get in the water with a shark. Uh, so Miss Ned did that as well. Um, and so more normal people wouldn't do these apparently foolish things. And guys, the bad things have happened in the water to me. I've almost drowned twice. One time in Colorado, in a rushing river, I fell in when I was in elementary school, because my sister may or may not have pushed me in. We were like fighting over a rock, and she let go, and I kind of fell in there. And my dad saved my life. Um, so he was there to save me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and then surfing in, in hurricane conditions, which isn't, I don't recommend it, it's not smart. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan and I have done it, um, and I, I mean, I was pummeled by this wave, and I couldn't tell the top from the bottom, 
and so I'm swimming. Actually, at this one point, I'm swimming when I'm swimming to the bottom. <laughs> I didn't even realize it. Um, my board's just dragging me along, like it's going all over the place. And I finally get to the top, get a breath, and guys, I was like this close to not having oxygen. Like my fingers are together here. Like they're not, there's no space in between. I was that close. And, and I get to the surface, I, I breathe like a little mermaid, I come out of the water, I'm like, <gasps> you know? I didn't have longer hair back then, so like my hair would have gone like that. Um, and then a wave comes and hits me and back down under, and that happened for, I don't know, it felt like an eternity until I washed up on shore. And, and so I've, like, bad things have happened. I've been surfing amongst jellyfish. I've been stung by sea urchins. I've cut myself on rocks. I've, uh, like, bad things have happened to me in the water, but the initial fear of water never returned. It's never, that initial fear hasn't come back. I never said, oh, I'm never doing that again. And, and guys, when we step into the river, right, it's not that bad things won't happen. Like, it's, it's not always going to be all perfect, and everything's going to be, be great, and everything's going to, quote, unquote, work out, right? Because bad things happen sometimes. But we can't let... We can't let our initial fear of stepping forward in faith return, right? Uh, we have to look towards God's goodness, as, as Adam was saying earlier, and know that God is good, even in the midst of chaos and turbulence and trouble and hardship. And Israel here is at that point. Right? They're on the brink of the river, and it's that flood stage, and they're called to step into it. Right, they're called, they're, what, the only thing that separates them and the fulfillment of God's promises is this river. And that's it. It's just one step in, guys. That's it. And they're, they're called to do this. Their whole history has led up to this point. And, and they're all, supposed, all they're supposed to do is step one foot forward and watch God move and watch God work and see his, his goodness. And church, that's where we are. Right, we, we are at the, we're at the point with this, this vision, this mission, this mission we've been talking about. We're at this point where we're, all we got to do is step one foot forward into the river and watch God move and watch God work. And so I'm going to call us today the boldness. I'm going to call you to that in your individual lives. I'm going to call that to you as a, as a church for us to step forward into boldness and not let our fears hinder us. Because here's the bottom line for this morning. <clears throat> If your fear defines you, your father never will. If your fear defines you, your father never will. Church, if, if our fear as a church defines us, our father will never define us. This is all about identity in Christ. This is all about destiny in Christ. If we're going to be influencers and influence through boldness. Because if your fear is what defines you, your father will never define you. We're going to take that throughout this the, the rest of the sermon. So let's, let's go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. It says here, so when, and uh, I, like I said this before, I always hate when, when uh, preachers kind of stop at the first two words. She's like, what? Uh, but, but there's something really cool here. So it says, so when, and literally if this was translated from the Hebrew into English in a very literal um, uh, like hard translation, it would, it would say something like, and it happened. 
And so you see the, 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 the teaser there, like the, the climax, like the, the author saying, hey, and, and it happened. And you're like, what? What happened? Like, what, what's, what's going to happen next, right? And imagine you don't know the end of the story, right? Everything's climaxed to this point. You've, you've gotten to this point, and there's a, you got this pinnacle in history, and, and he's like, and it happened. And you're like, yeah, what, what's going to happen? And if you know the history, if you know the history of, of the first five books, you know that the last time the Israelites were at this point, what happened? Their fear defined them. The last time they're at this point, they turned back, guys. They were at the brink, and they were fearful, and they let their fear define them, and they turned back, and they were 40 years in the wilderness until that previous generation died. And they let their fear define them. And so when you're reading the story, you're like, well, what's going to happen? Are they going to... Are they going to be like the previous generation? Are they going to turn back? Are they going to go forward? Are, there, are their fears going to define them? Are they going to, uh, are, are, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to, uh, like, are, are they going to go forward? Like, are they going to die? Are they, what, what's going to happen? And, and here's the thing. They're before the river, and it's not, just, it's not just the fear of water here anymore, right? It's the fear of the unknown. It's the fear of uncertainty. It's the fear of being swept away. It's the fear of death. It's a fear of losing your life. Those are all fears that are at play here. All right, so for us as a church, it's not just the fear. We're not just scared of the water. We're scared of everything that comes along with it. The uncertainty of stepping forward in faith. The, 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 um, the fear of it all not working out. Right? The, the fear of being swept away. The fear of losing our lives. All right, that's, that's all at play here with, with the people of Israel. And, and so... When the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and notice there, they, they set out from their tents, they set out from their security, they set, they set out from their shelter, they set out from their homes. Right, if, if, you, if you guys know any Jewish people right now, they're actually celebrating the, the feast or the festival of booths of tabernacles, of, uh, of um, uh, the, the Sukkot, the, or, or Sukkahs, right? And, and that's this time of the year, and they're celebrating this when they left their tents, because when they're in the wilderness, they lived in these, these, these dwellings that weren't permanent, right? They're temporary dwellings. They live in these dwellings. They, they camp out, pack it up, you know, and, and move on, camp out, set it up, pack it up, move on, and live in these tents. So they still commemorate that. So a lot of Jewish homes, uh, Miss and I have been in, in, in one, they'll have a, on the back of the house, they'll build, they'll, they'll build a sukkah. And it's, it's this, it's this tent. And, and they'll, they decorate it with like leaves and stuff on the outside, I think walls, walls and they, they sleep inside it sometimes during, which is kind of tough when, if you're in Toronto, right? <laughs> you sleep inside, but they have like heaters and stuff in there now. Um, and, and they'll stay in it for that whole week, for the whole festival. Uh, some families will do that. And so that's, that's what it's referring to here. I and mean, you get this picture of they're leaving security. But guys, their security was something that was temporary. What's holding you back from stepping in, in, into faith? I guarantee you it's something that's temporary. If something's holding you back from stepping forward in faith, 
you need to release it. Because what's ahead of you is the eternal. And what we leave behind is the ephemeral. It's what's fleeting, not what's forever. Right? And so, yeah, they're leaving their security, they're leaving their safety, they're leaving their dwellings. But it was temporary. Right? And we can find so much comfort in what's temporary in this world. Your job, your salary, your family, your spouse, your relationship. Guys, those are all temporary. Right? And, and God's calling us forward to find comfort in something else, but it requires boldness. We gotta leave the temporary behind. And so they set out from their tents. Yeah, actually, before I go there, I was talking to, so Missy and I were in Ottawa last week. We were, uh, I was speaking at a church there, and, and uh, after the service, um, this, this young lady comes up to, to me, and she's probably mid-20s, late 20s, somewhere around there. And uh, she comes up to me, and she's, we're, we're talking, and, and I'd given like a pretty strong message, because they're, they're a church plant a couple years behind us, and I'd given them a pretty strong message of moving forward, and, and I don't remember what I said, but all those things. They don't remember what I said either, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, just all those things. And, and, um, and so she was sharing about her life, and she's, she said, she was just saying, you know, I'm trying to figure out where God is leading me and what God wants me to do. And, and, uh, and she said, I quit my job. Um, she had a great... She had a great job, you know, by the world standards, great career, um, seemed very successful. Uh, and so she said, yeah, I quit my job. And I'm like, oh, that's, I was like, that's, that's great. This is the time in your life when you're free now of that temporary, that temporary thing that's, that may have been holding you back. And say this to God. I said, say, I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And she looks at me, and she says... I don't know if I can say that. And, and I was like, oh. Because um, I just assumed she was at that point in her life. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and, and, and she said, ah, oh, there's just so much uncertainty there. Like, well, what, if, what if this happens? And, and what if, what if um, it doesn't work out? And what if, um, what if God calls me somewhere that I don't want to go? And what if he asks me to do something I don't want to do? And I looked at her and said, are you afraid of God's best for your life? And she took a few seconds that seemed like an eternity. And she said, yeah, I am. I'm afraid of God's best for my life because I want my best. And I don't know if I trust God's best to align with my best. And she was like, it was a picture of the rich young man that just, Jesus says to him, sell everything you have and give it all away, give it all to the poor. And the guy's like, I can't do that. I can obey these commandments, Jesus, and I can do these religious things, but I can't give you what my heart is tied to. And in that passage, that guy just walks away sad. And Jesus doesn't chase him. Jesus is like, Bye. You're obviously not worthy of the kingdom. And I was like, man, this girl, 
like, I don't know what else to give you. Like, that is what following Jesus is, guys. Like, we, we're saying influence through boldness today. That is who we are. Like, we operate in boldness. So if you're living a life that isn't defined by boldness, you're not following Jesus. Do you hear that? Like, because your fear is defining you and your father never will. You have to live a life of boldness. You have to give up everything. And those things that you're holding on to that are temporary, you have to give those up if you're going to live a life of faith. Because at the end, this is Matthew 25, right? At the end, you might say, God, I've done all these things. We did miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We healed people in your name. And Jesus might say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Sure, you did all those commandments. Sure, you went to church. Sure, you were in a small group. Sure, you did this and you did that, but I never knew you. Right? Your fears defined you. And, and guys, we are, as a church, we are at this same spot that Israel is. Guys, this, this, this is the point where the people of Israel realize that they're not the next generation. They are this generation. Do you see that? Like, this is the point in history where, where they, they were always the next generation, and now they realize they are this generation. They are the ones who need to hear, trust, and obey. And if they don't, the promises of God won't be fulfilled in this generation. The things that God promised them will not be fulfilled. They're the ones who have to take a, take a step of faith forward in order for that to happen. If they stay on this side of the river, they'll just be like the previous generation. And guys, if you're not going to take a step forward, if we're not going to do that as a church together, you might die in the wilderness. Because we're taking a step forward. And we don't want to leave you in the wilderness. But that generation that didn't go forward, that was defined by their fears, they died back there. And God, God will use whoever is next. Do you see that? Like, God's just going to use whoever says yes. Whoever's willing and obedient, God's going to say, yep, all right, let's go. I already prepared the way. You didn't have to do anything. Just walk where I already walked. And so we want to move forward in unity, right? We want to move forward as a church. And, and, and guys, this, this vision that we've talked about, 5,600 people, 560 partners, 56 plants, that's a huge vision. And that's huge, right? Like, like we look at us as a church and like, it's Thanksgiving, so like half of us aren't here, right? But we look at ourselves as a church, even when everyone is here, and we're like, oh man, we don't have the people, we don't have the resources, we don't have the money, we don't have the, the manpower, we don't have, you know, what, whatever it is, we don't have. Guys, when did God need a large group of people to do something great? Never, never. yeah, never, right? Israel, they're the fewest of all the peoples. That's why God chose them. They're the fewest of all the peoples. His power was made known, right? Like, the 12 disciples, there's 12 of them. One of them stabs him in the back. The other 11 flee in his greatest time of need, right? Like, that's, and, and then God changes the world through them. He changes the world, and we're a part of that. When did he ever need a, a large group of people to do that? He doesn't. We don't need a large group of people. We just need a few committed people who are willing and obedient, and we're going to see God's promises come to fruition. And that's what was going on here. And that's what God wants to, wants to do with us as a church.
Guys, think about it. Michelle and I were talking this week. We're, we're in this series called Breaking Ground. And Michelle uh, leads our board of directors, right? And um, so we were talking this week. She's talking about some organizational things and, and some, yeah, just some, some issues there. Uh, and just, yeah, I won't go into the details and, and bore you with that. Uh, but there's some, yeah. When Michelle was talking to me, I was like half falling asleep. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's talking about some, some yeah, organizational things. And, and the, the big problem is, Canada, she said that she's like, Canada doesn't have a category for what we do as a church and for who we are. We're actually breaking ground. She's like, we could change the face of, of what this is. We could create a new category in Canada for who we are as a people. Yes. Like, that's so cool. Guys, we're six years old. Do you know like, what we've accomplished in six years together? Right Now, there's, some churches are commonly faithful. They do, they're, they're in their lane. They're like, we're going to do worship services. We're going to do small groups. We're going to evangelize. We're going to do communion and baptize people. And that's all great. Like, we want to do all that too. But God's called us to something really, really unique. And so we're doing that plus something more, right? And just here's, here's a snapshot of what's happening in the next two months with, with what we're doing as a church. Some of you guys are involved in this. Some of you guys aren't some of you get, like, it's all a mix, right? So we have the new common space, and, and we're doing that. That's, that's in itself, in and of itself, that, like, I don't know any, any churches that do anything like this. Guys, I, I, don't, I don't know. We, we kind of made this up, right? We took domain engagement, and we, like, are just learning on the fly. Um, and we are changing our city through this. And you guys, because you guys, oh, man, I wish I could tell all the stories. Like, we're changing our city through this. It's, it's amazing. But in the next few months, like next, this week coming up, I've organized in the GTA a pastor imam retreat where pastors and imams come together and they spend time together. And, um, and we're bridging, we're making a way for, for the light and love of Christ to come into where I think revival is happening in the world, in the Muslim world. And we're doing this with leaders in the GTA. Like, we organize this. And this is our church doing this. We're like, that's an extra thing. That's not commonly faithful. That's uniquely faithful, right? There's something there. Uh, the week after that, I'm training, uh, I'm training a small group of church planters. Where I train church planters every year, and I'm training a group of church planters that have heard about our DNA, heard about how we, how, how we do things, and they want to learn from us. One guy from New York City, one guy from Indianapolis, one guy from Ethiopia, right? Like, they've, like, I don't know. We don't advertise what we do. Like, they've just heard about it, and they want to be a part of it. They want this DNA. They're, they're tired of just being commonly faithful, guys. They're tired of just doing worship services and, and, and trying to grow this gathering as big as possible. They want to do something amazing for the kingdom. They say, that church is doing it. Let's learn from them. And we're like, freely, yes, here you go. That's happening. Guys, do you get, like, our, our engagement in the West Bank, uh, in the Holy Land that we're doing, I'm crafting a program right now that is going to change potentially the entire economic structure of the West Bank. I, I've been there five times, and all of a sudden they, they've already invited us into doing that. Like, that's, that's God going before us. All that's happening in the next two months. Like, this is, it's crazy. Like, it's wild. It's, it's, these are all apparently foolish things. But because we're not afraid of the water, of the unknown, of the uncertain, we're like, we're going to dive headfirst into there. And if we hit our heads on the bottom, we're going to hit our heads, right? We're going to dive headfirst. And guys, it's, 
it's amazing to see what, what God does when you just take a step of faith and you're willing to meet. And that's just, that's just a, a couple of things, right? This Halloween thing that we're talking about, this is a, a more immediate thing. Guys, oh my gosh, like I'm so excited about this. Um, Charmaine and I wrote this whole narrative, and it's like, it's going to be so cool. Like, it's not just for kids. Like, all adults, bring everyone. This is for the whole community. Um, I mean, and it's a story of redemption, and ah, oh, but it's not like, don't, don't worry. It's not like, oh, we're fire and brimstone and all this stuff, right? It's, it's, um, it's this beautiful, crafted narrative. Uh, guys, there's so many things. I can go on and on and on that you are all a part of. We can't do any of these things if we're not doing it together, right? And so let's do this together. Israel is about to do this together. I spent way too long on that, but I just got excited. So let's, let's go in. Where, where were we? Like, first three words? <laughs> All right, let's, let's go. Uh, so they're about, yeah. they're about to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant. This is God's presence. This is, this is God going before them. This is the echo of, of um, Exodus chapter 33, where Moses says, God, we only want to do what you do. We're only going to go where you go. You have to go before us if we're going to follow you. You have to. And guys, the Ark of the Covenant goes before them. And it says as soon, actually, do you realize in the previous passage, so the Ark of the Covenant goes before them, the scriptures say it's 2,000 cubits ahead of them. That's about half a mile, that's about one kilometer, 0.9 kilometers, ahead of them. They can't even see it. They saw it leave, and they're just kind of following in its wake. They can't even see it. It's that far ahead of them. Guys, you have to realize, trust, that if you're stepping out in faith and willingness and obedience, God is working way ahead of you. And just because you don't see it with your eyes does not mean he's not working. If he's called you forward, you just take that step. He's going to be working. He's going to provide. He's going to equip. He's going to empower. He's going to make the way, right? So they, they do this here. Verse 15 and as soon as, or immediately, those bearing the ark had, had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink. Like, so brink, you're like right at the edge, right? That's the brink. So as soon as their feet were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks, so at this time of harvest, the waters, okay, let's, let's I'm going to, Leave a cliffhanger there. So as soon as their feet dipped into the brink of the Jordan, immediately, immediately. Guys, I've never, ever, ever taken a step of faith where I didn't see immediate return on that step of faith, ever. Now, it may not have been the return that I wanted, right? It may have been something different, but I've always seen God's goodness play out. Isaiah says, not our Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, but maybe Isaiah says this too. Um, <laughs> says, it says that uh, if we are willing in obedience, you will eat of the good of the land. You'll know God's goodness. You'll know his rest. You'll know his presence. You'll eat of it. 
You'll feast on it, right? It, it will define you. You will taste and see that the Lord is good. Your fear won't define you. Your Father will. And so we have here, they are as soon as, immediately, they are getting this return. And, the, and, and it says here in parentheses, so whenever you see something in parentheses in, um, in, in the scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, you'll see this in the New Testament too sometimes, uh, it's a commentary on the text. Uh, so, so here, it's like not really part of the narrative. It's, it's a commentary saying, hey guys, remember, the Jordan was actually overflowing. So let me paint this picture for you of, of, of the Jordan River. Uh, so the, uh, yeah, I think I should do this. How much time do we have? Yeah, 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 we're, we're good, okay. So let me, paint this, let me paint this picture for you. So the, the Jordan River, um, uh, it, it, it has, this, has a Jordan River Valley, which is the broadest, right? It has a Jordan River Valley, and that can, that can be up to 22 kilometers in breadth across. Okay, that's pretty big, the Jordan River Valley. And in that valley, yeah, like along most rivers, you have a green, verdant, fertile area, right? Where trees, forest, underbrush, all that grows. So that's what I'm talking about. The Jordan River Valley stretches out that far at some points, uh, up to 22 kilometers. So when they go to the Jordan, they're going through all that mess too, right? So you have the river valley, then you have the floodplain, which will be inside that. You have the Jordan River floodplain. And that can be up to, uh, I think, like 12 kilometers in breadth. Uh, that's, that's pretty big, too. Um, so you have, and that's, that's what we're talking about here. The Jordan River is that flood stage. It's overflowing. So you're talking about potentially, we don't know exactly, right, a 12-kilometer breadth that they're crossing. Okay, and they're not just like walking across a stream, stepping on stones, right? They're like, this is, this is massive. And, and the channel, the river channel itself can be as wide as 100 feet across. So that's the main portion of the river channel, and, and like up to 12 feet deep. So you can't, you can't stand and wade across. You have to be able to swim, right? So, it's, so if you can't swim, like, it's, it's bad. Like, it's, it's daunting, right? So you got 22, 12, and then you got this channel that's, that can be up to 100 feet across. That's what they've come up against. And God says, right when your feet touch the water, you're going to watch me work. Not when you're in the middle and you're, you're like, struggling for life and and you're, you're almost drowning, but right when your feet touch the brink of the water, something amazing is going to happen. Okay, so that's what's, that's, that's what's about to happen. So verse 16, the waters and, and the verbs here are so descriptive. So in these three verses, it's like a slow-mo uh, of, of the narrative. Like, it slows us down. Uh, and, and so here the verbs kind of stretch it out. It says, the waters coming down from above stood, and they rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. So they passed over opposite Jericho. Guys, there's, there's one border crossing from Jordan into the West Bank and from the West Bank into Jordan. And that's this crossing. There's one crossing that's opposite, modern day, today. There's one crossing opposite Jericho. And it's, it's called the King Hussein Bridge or the Allenby Bridge. And it's, it's crazy. I've crossed before. It's, it's the only Palestinian crossing. So it's, 
It's like really high security, really, um, like I almost didn't make it across. <laughs> I was, yeah. They're probably, there were one, two, three, four, five, seven security checkpoints on one side. That was one, two, three, three or four on the other side. And, and so like, I, I got to one security checkpoint, maybe like four, um, and they almost didn't let me cross. I'm like, I just made it through like seven of these. Like what's, what changed, right? Um, and I'll have to tell you the story another time, but there are, there are all these things. Um, I mean, yeah, there are all these things. So I won't go into that. But from that crossing, uh, you can see Jericho. So Jericho is only a few kilometers away from the Jordan River. So when, they, when Israel crosses directly opposite Jericho, guess who can see them? Jericho. They could see these two million people with all their tents, all their livestock, everything, crossing the Jordan River. They see the miracle, guys. And Jericho is just a few kilometers away. And the people of Israel, they can see Jericho. They didn't zigzag around. They didn't say, hey, maybe this isn't the best time, God. Maybe we should wait. The Jordan River is at flood stage. Maybe we should wait till it's like a little a little less crazy. Um, maybe we should do it at night. Let's do it in the darkness, God, because then Jericho can't see us. Let's, let's do that. Uh, or they didn't say, oh, maybe this way is better. Let's do this. God said, nope, opposite Jericho, straight line is the quickest way to get to, from point A to point B. Let's do that, and don't let your fear define you, because I define you. And so they cross opposite Jericho, and the waters stood up at Adam. Now, Adam is about 30K away from where they cross. Why? Why is that? Well, this was the spot in Genesis 32 where Jacob wrestled with God. And Jacob wrestled with God all night and there's this whole scene there where Jacob's about to meet Esau, the brother who he stole his birthright from, and, and Jacob's wrestling with his identity because he was always this kind of trickster, deceiver, and, and uh, God is making him into something new, into someone new. And he's wrestling with God all, all night, and neither defeats the other, and, and um, like God kind of touches his, his hip, and it, it goes out, so he's permanently handicapped the rest of his life. Um, and, and, uh, and then God gives him a new name. He says, you'll no longer be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel. And it's at that point where Israel receives, it's like they receive their identity as God's people. Like I'm going to, he said, I'm going to make you Israel the father of a nation. Like this is your destiny. This is your identity this is how you're going to influence the world. This, these promises that I gave to Abraham, to Isaac, now they're your promises to you, Jacob. You are this generation. They're, they're for you. And, and now you are the father of this nation. And your identity is as my people. You know, when, when Israel crossed into the Red Sea from Egypt, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 that that was a baptism into God's people. So now when Israel's about to cross the Jordan, it's the same thing. 
It's a new Israel. It's this baptism as God's people. It's, it's saying, yes, now you are God's people. And in the water stopped at Adam, where that originally happened for Israel. Oh, so cool, right? Like, that's so amazing that, that even in God's miracles, there's this really significant spiritual thing. Like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so amazing. And guys, they couldn't even see that. That's 30 kilometers away, right? And guys, at, at this point, when Israel's going to cross in, the, the river's overflowing, but it's also like, it, this is the point on the earth ge- geographically where um, the current is one of the strongest because that river is descending to the lowest point on earth fast, right? And, and so there's so many fears at play here. So this particular little thing that God does for them, even though they may not be able to see it, someone knew about it, right? This little particular thing that God does for them gives them strength and courage to step forward. And they do that. They cross over. And it says in verse 17, now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, I say this all the time, I'm going to say this again, whenever you see Lord like that, in all caps, or, or in your Bible here, uh, it refers to God's personal name, Yahweh. So whenever you see that, it should make you think, God is intimate, he is near, he's personal, he's imminent, he's close to us. The Lord is at hand, Paul says in Philippians 4, right? He's, he's near us, we can actually reach out and touch him. He has come close to us. So the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Here's the thing about fear, guys. Fear can stop us from stepping into the river, but it can also stop you from stepping out on the other side. Guys, we're not just called to stand on that dry ground in the river. Because if you stay in the middle, you're going to miss out on God's promises. God's promises happen on the other side. And that walk through the river wasn't a couple steps, right? We're talking maybe 22 kilometers, right, through that entire valley, right? Or 100 feet, 12, 20, right? Like, it's this walk of faith. Are you stuck in the middle right now? Have you said, yeah, I've taken the step of faith, but I like it here. Are you comfortable where you're at? Are you complacent? Are you like, yes, uh, we're standing on firm ground. I don't want to take any steps further. I'm going to stay right here. Things are good. It all worked out, right? What do we, when we say it all worked out, people say that all the time, right? What do we mean when we say that? We mean it was beneficial for me. Guys, what if it doesn't work out? What does that mean? What if you die? You know the cool thing about that is? If you do die, which is like the worst thing the enemy could do for us, Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. He's, Christ in his death and resurrection took the worst thing that the enemy could do to us and took this curse and made it a blessing. Oh, man. And we treat death like it's a curse. In Christ, it's a blessing. Like, we see him face to face, right? And, it, and guys, I get it. Like, death is hard, and it, and it's, it's, it, it just, 
Like, because we're left here, right, when someone leaves us, and it's hard. And we have all these questions, why, and, and, and what happened, and, and like, I, like, so I don't want to minimize any of that, because we're still here, and we're living in this world, but our hope is not in this world. It's in Christ, right? We have to trust his goodness, and so many of us are just stuck in the middle of the river, and God's saying, you haven't received the promise yet. You haven't received the fulfillment yet. You're on dry ground and you're seeing the miracle, but you need to keep on walking forward if you want to taste and see that the Lord is good. If you want to be in the land flowing with milk and honey, you've got to keep on going forward. If you want to see the walls of Jericho fall down, you've got to move forward. You can't be stuck in the middle. You can't let fear prevent you from taking more steps of faith forward. Do you guys know what Israel means? When, when God gives this name to, to Jacob, Israel means God contends, or God fights, or God strives. And the question that's begged there is, well, for who? Who is he fighting for? Who is he contending for? Who is he striving for? For himself, for his glory. But the cool thing is, when we are identified as God's people, we are his glory. We sang earlier, we are the hope of the world. The scriptures say, when we live out our faith, our good deeds will glorify God in him. They will add to the glory. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 15, he says, it is all for your sake that as more and more people come to God and increase thanksgiving, it will increase the glory of God. Oh, guys, that's what we're called to. We're to increase the glory of God. And so when it says God contends and he fights and he strives, he's doing that for us, for his glory. And we're a part of that. We are his people. He's given us a new name. And we get a step forward in that. You know, in the scriptures, there are, there, uh, water represents two different things in the scriptures. It represents chaos and tumult and, and the unknown and the uncertain. And it also represents life. Genesis 1 starts out, and, and the Spirit is hovering over the waters, over the face of the deep, and it's chaotic. And then God forms the dry ground, right? He separates the water from the land and forms solid ground you can stand on, right? And then not a few chapters, just a few chapters later, Genesis 6 to 7, God destroys the whole earth with what? Water, not fire, Water. Water covers, whole, it's like a new creation happens. That's the imagery, because the face of the deep comes back. Like the water comes from the deep, the scripture says. And, and it's chaotic again, but you have what they're saving mankind? The ark, right? The ark. This is God's presence, right, who is with them. And you have this picture of new creation. Then in Job 41, you have this, this introduction of, of this creature called Leviathan. And it's the monster of the deep. It's, it's the, the one in the deep who, like, who like, everyone's scared of. And it's this monster that's going to take out things. And, and it's like, oh, the deep, it's so scary. Um, and then in Exodus chapter 3, or sorry, chapter 14, you start to see this redemption of water. This is the Red Sea crossing where they cross and they're recognized as God's people. 
because they cross through the ocean. And water destroys that which is against God, and it saves those who are for God. And then Joshua chapter 3, what we're just in, same thing. It's this new Israel. It's this generation. It's a new generation. It's, this is us, guys. It's a new generation that is, that is going through. Guys, do you guys realize, like, all they had heard for so many years was their parents, their grandparents, their leaders, their elders, grumbling, complaining, forsaking, and forgetting in the wilderness. For 40 years, that's all they heard. And then when they get to the promised land, which they know this was go to, they meet a Gentile prostitute named Rahab, out of all people, right, who tells them that she believes in their God because of the crossing of the Red Sea. She believes in something that happened 40 years ago that she didn't even see with her eyes, more so than they do. Guys, you forget what God did yesterday. You forget his goodness this morning. How many of you guys thank God that you woke up this morning? Right? Like, guys, we, we so forget God's goodness, and they meet this Gentile prostitute who's like, hey, remember, your God is amazing. And you see the start to redeem with, with water. J- Joshua 3 happens, and... And, and then Psalm, Psalm uh, 40, 47 and Isaiah 27 say that the Messiah is going to defeat Leviathan. So this unknown, this uncertainty, this monster in the deep, we don't have to be afraid of him. The Messiah is going to defeat him. We don't need to be scared of the waters anymore, right? Then you get to Matthew 3, and Jesus is baptized where? In the Jordan, right across from Jericho. Right? That's where his baptismal site is. In the Jordan River, opposite Jericho. Jesus baptized there. Oh, that's Matthew 7. Jesus says, Whoever hears my words, obeys them, builds their house on the rock, the wind and the waves shall not destroy it. They won't take down the house. The, the waves and the wind have no power over whoever builds their house on the rock, who is Jesus Christ. Matthew 14 happens, and this is. This is where uh, the disciples are out on this boat, and the wind and the waves are crazy, and they're going all over the place, and Jesus, and they see this apparition. They're like, oh no, there's a ghost. Like, well, what's, what is that? And it's Jesus, and what's he doing? He's walking on the water. He's not swimming out to them. He's not like, hey guys. Uh, he's not like doing the butterfly. He's, he's like walking on the water, which means what? The water's below his feet, He's conquered it. He's overcome it. Guys, this isn't just some random miracle. He is over the chaos. He is Lord over all those things. And he's just taking a stroll. And he says, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter's like, I'm not. Boom, he goes in. But then he does get afraid. He sees, the scriptures say he sees the wind and the waves and he starts to sink and he gets afraid. And, and Jesus says, ah, why do you have so little faith? Why did you look at that? Keep your eyes focused on me. Like, why, why, did that, why did that scare you so much? And then you get to Mark 4 and you have a similar instance where Jesus is asleep on this boat. He's asleep. The, the, the boat with the disciples is going across, and this huge tempest arises, this storm, and the boat is getting shaken to and fro, and the wind and the waves are crazy, and, which happens on the Sea of Galilee because the mountains are right next to it, so it still happens today. So it's happening then, and, and, and it's going on, and Jesus, it says in Mark 4, he's asleep on the stern. 
and he's just sleeping. And the disciples are freaking out, and they're like, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you even care? And he kind of calmly gets up, and he says, peace be still to the wind and the waves. He may even be talking to the disciples in that moment. But he rebukes the wind and the waves, and everything is still. And he says, why were you so afraid? Why? Why were you so afraid? And then in John 2, Jesus turns water into wine. We don't have time to get into that, but there's significance there. Jesus has more authority over water. He turns into wine. Uh, John 3, he says to Nicodemus, those who are uh, going to enter the kingdom of heaven, they need to be born of two things. They need to be born of water and the spirit. Uh, in, in John chapter 4, he meets a Samaritan woman at the well, and she comes to get, get water out of the well, and he says, I can give you water that will never make you thirst again. And whoever drinks this water, a spring will well up into eternal life in their heart. And then John 7, he says, if anyone's thirsty, if anyone is, no qualification, if anyone is thirsty, and if anyone believes in me, they can take and drink, and out of them will flow, flow living water, streams and rivers of living water. John chapter 7. But then in Revelation, there's two waters. In Revelation chapter 21, we have these two things represented that I started out with. And it says here, God saying, the one who conquers, oh, I'm sorry, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You don't have to do anything for it. This is John 7, right? You don't have to do anything for it. I will just give it to you if you're thirsty. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is covenant language all the way back in the Old Testament, that he will be our God, we'll be his people, right? This is very significant. And God says, that's gonna be true for you if you drink this water. He says in verse eight, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, and he lists some, some sins, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire, the lake, water, that burns with fire and sulfur, which is a second death. Guys, on that list, he doesn't start out with saying the murderers. He says, if anyone's thirsty, they can have eternal life. But as for the murderers, the people who do this, this, no, he doesn't start there. He says, but as for the cowardly, as for the faithless. You know, that word for cowardly in Revelation 21 is only used in one other account in the scriptures. In Matthew 8 and Mark 4, which is the same account of Jesus on the boat rebuking the wind and the waves. And he says to Peter and the disciples, why were you so afraid? Why were you so cowardly? And that's that word. Why? Why were you so cowardly? And he says the lake of fire is for... <laughs> for those who act that way. Guys, we have a faith where our fear cannot define us. If it does, you're not following Jesus. 
Our Father has to define us. If we can do that as a church, if you can do that as individuals, we're going to see some apparently foolish things happen for the kingdom of God. We're going to do some apparently foolish things together, which we've already done. And we're going to see some amazing things happen for the kingdom of God together. Be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with us wherever we go. Lay your life down for Jesus this morning and you will find it. Come and drink of eternal life in Jesus and you'll never thirst again. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is so amazing and ah, I just love I just love your scriptures. I love how you speak to us through them. I love you. And thank you for calling us to more. God, we don't want to be a people that is complacent in the middle of the river. Because that's what we are right now. We want to be a people that steps forward into faith. Faith moves. It goes forward. And we want to move with it. We want to follow in your wake and in your footsteps. So empower us with boldness. It's one of our core values. We should be living by it. We should be defined by it, not by our fears. So Jesus, I say for our church, because you know I say this for myself consistently, we want to go wherever you want us to go, and we want to do whatever you want us to do. Whatever that looks like, whatever that looks like, we want that to be the case. We'll only go where you go, Jesus. And we trust you in your goodness. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.